entire message tonight really uh, sets the tone for the, the, just the whole passage, Joshua chapter 14, and it's actually out of 1 Samuel 15. Uh, if you'll remember in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, the Bible tells us that to obey is better than sacrifice. If you'll remember, Saul was king, and at that time, Saul may have had good intentions, but he did not obey God. And, and so he was told right off the bat, it's better to obey than to sacrifice. And I want, I want to really stress that word obedience because we're going to see that tonight. We're going to see obedience. Um, and I'm going to tell you something that we've learned in the book of Joshua. If you haven't been with us, we've been pressing through Joshua for several months now. And one of the things that we see in Joshua is that God doesn't want partial obedience. What does God want? He wants complete obedience. God does not want partial obedience. As a matter of fact, Dr. David Jeremiah tells us in his commentary uh, that partial obedience when it comes to God is disobedience. Let's just call it what it is. Partial obedience is disobedience. And so God doesn't want partial obedience. He wants complete obedience. Uh, If you'll remember, Moses sent 12 spies into the land. Of those 12 spies, 10 of them came back and told Moses, uh, the land is big, the land is beautiful, but we can't take it. They came back and said, the people there are too strong, uh, the people are too big, we can't take it. There were two spies that came back and told Moses, hey, this land is ours. All we got to do is go get it. One of those men was Joshua, and who was the other? Caleb. Caleb. When Caleb saw the land, I want you to think about this, and try to think about this. He, he was a young man, he was around... 40 years old, when Caleb saw this land, right, he saw the land of Canaan not as an obstacle, but as an opportunity. That's what he saw. The other 10 spies, all they could see were the giants in the land. They saw the armies. They saw the fortified cities, and they thought, who are we? We can't do anything against them. They saw obstacle, right? But Caleb saw opportunity. And I love this. This was an opportunity for Caleb, for the Israelites. And it wasn't just an opportunity to possess land, right? It was an opportunity to exercise faith. That's what it was. It was an opportunity to exercise faith. It was an opportunity to obey the Lord. Because Caleb knew what the Lord said. The Lord said, I'm going to give you this land. And so Caleb was just walking in faith. And he was just walking in obedience. And so I want you to think about that tonight. To obey is better than sacrifice. It doesn't mean sacrifice is not good, right? Sacrifice is a good thing. We see sacrifice in the Bible throughout, Old Testament and New Testament. But to obey, to obey is where it begins. And to to obey is better than sacrifice. And so when you think about that, uh, I hope that's what you, you see in Caleb. As a matter of fact, I, I, before I dig into Joshua, and you'll see this scripture on the screen, uh, I want you to hear it from Joshua, I mean from Caleb. Numbers 13.30, this is what the Bible says. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. That's Caleb. That's who he is. And you might have this idea, this picture uh, of this young man with a lot of energy, with a lot of passion, you're right. That this guy had energy, he had passion, but more than that, he was obedient. 
He trusted God and he obeyed God. And that's what I want you to see tonight. Because of his bold faith, what we're going to see is we're going to see Caleb's inheritance first. So we got nine and a half tribes that we're going to talk about. Their inheritance in the land. But guess what? We're starting with Caleb. And I believe we're starting with Caleb because he was a man who trusted God and obeyed God. So we're going to start with Caleb. Joshua chapter 14, let's look at verses 1 through 5. The Bible says, Now these are the areas the Israelites received as an inheritance in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest, Joshua son of Nun, and the heads of the tribal clans of Israel allotted to them. Their, inheritance were, their inheritances were assigned by lot to the nine and a half tribes as the Lord had commanded through Moses. Moses had granted the two and a half tribes their inheritance east of the Jordan, but had not granted the Levites an inheritance among the rest. For Joseph's descendants had become two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. The Levites received no share of the land, but only towns to live in with pasture lands for their flocks and herds. So the Israelites divided the land just as the Lord had commanded Moses. So this is an incredible passage of Scripture too. And I love verse 5. The Israelites divided the land just as the Lord commanded Moses. So there's a few things that I want you to see here. First of all, what have I been saying about God all along? God is faithful, right? And that's what we see in this passage. The Lord was faithful to Israel, giving them the land just as he said. Listen, the Lord had already told Moses the land was theirs. He had already told them how to divide up the land, right? That was all those years ago, and here it is being done exactly like he said. Why? Because when the Lord makes a promise, what does he do? He keeps it. That's right. So God is faithful. He's faithful to his children. He's faithful with his promises. But what we see that's really important, and I just said it right there in verse 5, the Israelites were obedient to the Lord, allocating the land just as he directed. Again, we see an important truth that is sown into the fabric of the book of Joshua. We see God's faithfulness. We see God's promises. But we also see the participation of His people, right? I don't want you to miss that. The book of Joshua is not about Joshua. The book of Joshua is about God and what God can do and what God has done and what God will do. Right? That's what the book of Joshua is all about. But the book of Joshua is about God's children participating in his promises. I've said this so many times, and, and I firmly believe this. God did not call us to sit around and watch what he's doing in the world. God called us and equipped us and enabled us to be a part of what he's doing in the world. So I, I pray that that's what you feel, right, in your spirit, that, that God, you've called me to participate. God, you're allowing me to be a part of what you're doing, not just sit back and watch what you're doing. I, I, I'm telling you, one of the hardest things for me, when I, I, I love coaching. I, I still love coaching. Uh, but, but one of the hardest things for me when I was coaching was, was staying off the floor. The officials used to have to tell me, back up, coach, back up, coach. They used to have to tell me, get in your box, coach. You got to get in your box. I could not stay off the floor. I could not stay in the box. I wanted to be out there so bad doing what everybody else was doing, right, doing what the players were doing. And when they weren't doing it right, I wanted to get out there and show them how to do it right. Uh, but I couldn't. I, 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 was, I, was, I was as much of a spectator as somebody in the bleachers, or at least that's what it felt like. 
But when it comes to the kingdom of God, when, when it comes to ministry, when it comes to loving God and loving people, none of us should be spectators, right? None of us should be spectators. We should participate, and we should participate obediently, right? What's better than sacrifice? Obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice, 1 Samuel 15, 22. And that's what we see right here off the bat. first five verses in chapter 14 is about God's faithfulness and it's about the Israelites being obedient. Now, let's be honest. Were the Israelites always obedient? No. <laughs> no, not, not any of them. Listen, Joshua, we, we've been saying so many good things about Joshua. Tonight, we're going to say a lot of good things about Caleb. But understand this. The Israelites are not perfect, and that includes Joshua and Caleb. None of them are perfect, right? They, they all sin. They all fall short. But I am thankful for these glimpses, right, the, these glimpses that we get of their obedience and how God uses it, right, for everyone's good. And so we see that right off the bat in these first five verses. So now let's jump to Caleb, right? Caleb was the one who said, this land is ours. We can take it. Let's go get it. And he saw the land not as an obstacle, but an opportunity. So now let's see his inheritance because of his obedience. Verse 6, now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal. If you'll remember, Gilgal was kind of their base. That's where they were doing everything from. Uh, Even when they took Jericho, they still held a base there at Gilgal. So that's where they're at. So the people approached um, Judah. Uh, The people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb son of Jephunneh the Kenzanite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to see that word three times in Joshua 14. Pay attention to it because it is the difference maker, right? Remember what I said? Not partial obedience, but what? Complete obedience. I believe it ought to be that way with faith. Not partial faith, but complete faith. The Bible says, and this is Caleb, I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. There it is, a second time. If Caleb could be described with one word, it would be wholehearted. He was wholeheartedly devoted to God. So we can see this in Scripture. Caleb's family is, is a, a unique family. Uh, if you go back and you look at, uh, if you do some cross-referencing and you look at Scriptures, you go back and look at Numbers, uh, you go back and look at um, that, that this passage in Joshua, Caleb's family was actually captured by Israel. Did you know that? And we see it right here. His father, right, was from a Kenzanite people. Well, the Kenzanite people, uh, they were actually from the Edomite origins. So they were not, he, he was not actually from Israel. And so Israel took them in, and what we know about Caleb is that Caleb embraced Israel as his own, and he became an Israelite. 
A lot of people oh, think, oh, he was just born into it. No, his father was a Kenizzite from the Edomite origin. And so Caleb embraced the Israelite people. And, and more than that, Caleb embraced the God of Israel. That's what's important. Now, if you want to trace his family, right, Caleb was actually counted in the tribe of Judah. Uh, that, that was his clan. He was part of the tribe of Judah. You might be saying, well, why is that important? Well, this is important when it comes to inheritance. If you'll remember from the story of Genesis, Jacob had three older sons than Judah. Judah was the fourth oldest. Do you remember? Who was the oldest? Anybody? Reuben, Reuben. And then you had the two wisecrackers, Simeon and Levi, right? So you had the three older brothers. But if you'll remember, Reuben dishonored his father, and so the blessing was held from him. And then Simeon and Levi, right, they got in some trouble when they went and killed some people, right? That they, they, they took some things into their own hands they shouldn't have done. And so they fell out of daddy's graces. And so guess who's left? Judah. And so Judah got the first blessing. So that's why this is important. So Caleb falls in the clan of Judah. And so that's why it's important. That's why Caleb is getting this first inheritance, so to speak. He's the first one being mentioned because he's of the tribe of Judah and they're going to be the first tribe to be mentioned. So that's why this is important. But more than that, right, more than Caleb being a part of the tribe of Judah, the thing I want you to know about Caleb is that he was wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord. What does that mean? What does that mean, wholeheartedly? Well, according to Merriam-Webster, the word wholeheartedly means completely and sincerely devoted to someone or something. It means to be determined, and it means to be enthusiastic about your your, uh, determination. It also means to be marked by complete and earnest commitment. Wow, that's, that's, that's pretty good. But instead of saying all that, I'm just going to use the word wholeheartedly. <laughs> Caleb was wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord. Twice in this passage, that's the description of Caleb. Wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord. He was 40 years old. That's what he tells us. 40 years old when Moses sent him into the land as a spy. And now he, here he is. All these years later, and in just a moment, you'll notice that he's 85, so it's been 45 years. All these years later, right, he's still there, and he's still serving the Lord like he did 40 years ago. That's called wholehearted devotion. And so we see God's faithfulness. We see the obedience of his children, the participation of his children. And then there are those that are described with wholehearted devotion. I want to stop and ask you a question right now. You got people that know you real well, right? People that know you real well. If I were to go to those people that know you real well and ask them to describe your faith, to describe your walk with God, do you think they would use a word like wholeheartedly? Do you think they would use that word? Someone deeply, earnestly committed to God? Just think about that for a moment. Because that's the question I asked myself. When I was reading this passage of Scripture, I was like, Jeff, if, if, if your friends, if the people that knew you could describe you, would you be described this way? That's pretty intimidating, isn't it? I mean, I want to say, yeah, man, that's me, right? A wholeheartedly devoted to God, right? Faithful to God. That's what I want, but 
Is that, is that how they would describe me? Is that how you would be described in your circle of life, the people that know you well? I'm going to tell you, when you read the Scriptures, there's no other way to describe Caleb. There's no other way to describe him. His words, his actions. This was a man who was committed to God, deeply, earnestly committed to God, wholehearted devotion. That's how he was described. So let's look at how this goes, plays out because he, he's there before Joshua saying, hey, you know me. You and I, man, we've served together, and you know the promises that were made. So, so he's basically saying, I'm here. I'm here for my inheritance. Here it is, verse 10. Now then, just as the Lord has promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. And look at verse 11. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Anybody in here 85? I know I know one person is, right? Mr. Gene, do you feel as good today as you did when you were 40? No. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say that. I was hoping you'd say that. Hey, listen, I'm trying, I'm just trying, I'm trying to put myself in Caleb's shoes, because here's the thing, I'm, I'm past the 45 thing, um, but I'm trying to remember what it was like when I was 20. I, I don't feel like today what I felt like when I was 20, I'm just telling you. I've made a lot more doctor's appointments, you know, in the last five years that I didn't make the first 45 years. <laughs> so, so I'm just trying to put myself in this place, but, but think about this, right? I mean, Caleb is standing here, he's an 85-year-old man, and his mind is sharp, Right? He, he, he's physically strong, but I think more than anything, this is a spiritual strength, right? This is a spiritual strength. He said, I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Look at verse 12. He says, now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You, your sir, you yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, notice that, that phrase is set out, right? He's got commas around it, like he's making sure you see this. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. This is an 85-year-old man ready to go do battle with some people in the, in the mountains. Then Joshua, verse 13, Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel. How? Wholeheartedly. There it is, a third time. Wholeheartedly. Verse 15 tells us that Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba, named after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Then the land had rest from war. Man, I love this passage of Scripture. I I love uh, the description of Caleb, but I I just love what it shows us. I love what it shows us with God. When, When you are wholeheartedly devoted to God, when you are walking in the faithfulness of God, when you are walking in the promises of God, here's what I want you to see. With God, nothing is impossible, right? 
with God, nothing is impossible. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. I don't care what kind of armies you got or you ain't got. If you are walking with God, you got all you need. You got everything you need. Because with God, nothing is impossible. Instead of standing in fear and in doubt, because I'm going to tell you, Caleb could have been doing that. He could have been standing in fear and doubt, but instead of standing in fear and doubt, Caleb stood with courage. Right? He stood with courage. Caleb knew. This is what's important. Caleb knew that the Lord was with him. He had no doubt. He had no doubt who he was, and he knew he had no doubt whose he was. He was with the Lord and the Lord was with him and it didn't matter that he was 85 and it didn't matter that he was having to climb in the mountains. He was ready to take the land that God said was his. With God, nothing is impossible. He believed in the faithfulness of God and he walked in the faithfulness of God. The odds didn't change that. The circumstances didn't change that. Can that be said of you? Can that be said of me? I mean, think about it. You ever been fearful? You ever been doubtful? Man, I, I'm guilty as charged, right? I, there have been times in my life, even recently, there have been times in my life when, when, when I succumbed to fear or, or, or I just I fell in doubt and began to doubt and the doubt just was like a snowball. It just kept growing and growing and growing. And, and, and instead of saying, hey, let me tell you about my God, all I could think about was, how am I going to get out of this? How, how is this going to fear, doubt? Listen, Caleb, <laughs> there was no fear. There was no doubt. Only courage. And it was because he knew that the Lord was with him. Not only did he know that the Lord was with him, he felt the presence of the Lord in his life. Caleb asked for the land of Hebron. Now, you might say, well, what's the big deal with that? So Caleb asked for the land of Hebron. And what's important was he asked for this land knowing that he would have to drive out the Anakites. Let's remember, who surveyed all this land? Yeah, Caleb did. Caleb surveyed all this land. So he knew exactly where he was, and he knew exactly who lived there, and what it was going to take, right, to possess that land. So he didn't just stumble up and say, well, since I'm here, I'll take this spot. No, he was taking the spot that God promised him, and he knew what it was going to take, right? to possess that spot. They were a strong people. If you go back and look at Scripture and you go back and look at, at commentaries, they will tell you that the Anakites were a strong people. Their cities were very well built. They were fortified. And, and so this was not going to be an easy endeavor. But did it deter Caleb? Nope. He said, I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. I'm 85 years old and I'm ready to go right now. Why? He says... With the Lord's help. That's all he wanted, right? I'm going to tell you why that's all he wanted, because that's all he needed. He didn't need anything else. He had everything he wanted and everything he needed with the Lord. And so he was with the Lord. The Lord was with him. Uh, Hebron, let me tell you about Hebron just so you'll know. Hebron was a very important place at this time as well. So I didn't put a map on here. I wish I would have, but I didn't. Um, but if you've got a map in your Bible and you see Jerusalem, if you'll go about 20 miles south, maybe even a little southwest, you'll find Hebron. Hebron is about 20 miles south-southwest of Jerusalem, uh, present-day Jerusalem. 
Um, let me tell you about Hebron, some, just some important facts about Hebron. The cave of Machpelah was located in Hebron. Anybody want to know who was buried there? Sarah and Abraham and Jacob and Isaac, Rebecca, all of those people were buried in a cave of Machpelah, which is in Hebron. That's a very important place. As a matter of fact, in Caleb's time, that was the only sacred burial ground in the land of Canaan. And so that was it. And so this was a very important place. Another very important um, moment in history as far as Hebron goes, uh, Hebron was also the city where King David ruled for several years. Uh, Some theologians say it was six years. Some say it was seven. Uh, Who cares? It was several years. (laughs) But King David actually ruled in Hebron, in this place where Caleb is about to possess before he moved into Jerusalem uh, and, and made his throne there in Jerusalem. So, so Hebron is a very, very important place as far as uh, culture, as far as history. And what an awesome, right? What an awesome blessing that this is the land that God gives Caleb, right? This is the land that God promised and God keeps his promise and gives to Caleb. And, and listen, Caleb has to go in and, and he does exactly what, what he said. He drives them out. And he possesses the land. He takes the land. But again, it was all because of the Lord. The Lord was with him, right? The Lord was helping him. So I've been thinking about this all week. And um, all I could think about when I read Joshua 14, all I could think about was God's faithfulness and his sovereignty. See, that's what I believe. Joshua 14 shows us not only the faithfulness of our God, but also the sovereignty of our God. Uh, we've talked about that a little bit uh, in, in the book of Joshua. We've talked more about his faithfulness, but we also see the sovereignty of God. And what I mean by that is God is in control, right? How many times do we get a little uneasy or do we get fearful in our world today when, when things happen that take us by surprise? Are things happen and nobody has an answer for it? Do you ever, you ever find yourself like trying to read or trying to watch TV, trying to figure out, right, what's going on and why is this happening and how are we going to get out of this? Just think about it. There are so many things taking place in our world today, uh, political, uh, medical. I mean, you talk about COVID, you talk about politics, you talk about wars. Um, there's so many things going on in our world today, and it'd be very easy to say this world is out of control. I mean, that, that would be a safe description to take, wouldn't it? But for a Christ follower... What a, what, a, what a bad take. What, what a bad take for a Christ follower to say this world is out of control. Because I'm going to tell you something. My God's still in control. My God's still in control. I don't care what the TV tells me, right? I don't care what this, you know, leader tells me or this person tells Look, I know what the Bible says. And my God is sovereign, which means my God's got complete control. There's nothing going on in this world that he has not allowed or he has not caused. God is sovereign. And I believe we see that in Joshua 14. No matter what we face in this life, no matter what the odds are, no matter what the circumstances are, when you are God's child and you are walking in the promises of God and in the faithfulness of God, I'm going to tell you, all things are possible. We see it in Joshua's life. Uh, As God's children, what can we do? I believe we can rest in his love. We can rest in his faithfulness, but I believe we can also rest in his sovereignty. And as Christ followers, we need to do that. We, we, hey, should we be concerned? 
with the state of our world and the things that are going on? Absolutely we should. Uh, should we be prayerful for the things that are going on in the world? Absolutely we should. But, but at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to lay my head down tonight knowing that God's got it. God's got it. My, my hope and my faith and trust are not in a president. My hope and my faith and trust are not in some organization. My hope and my faith and my trust is in God. He's got it. And so I want to lay my head down at night and rest in the love of God, the faithfulness of God, and the sovereignty of God. God is in control. long time ago, I might age you here, um, there was this uh, contemporary Christian artist, this group, uh, they were known as Truth. And Truth would go around and they would sing all over and uh, they actually came to, to, you remember them, Andy? Andy's in there going, Jeffrey's old. Yeah, he's like, yeah, Jeffrey's old because he took us to that concert when I was 12. Anyway, you just stay in there, Andy. You can pull the blinds down. He's telling my age. But anyway, we went to see this group called Truth. They were in West Monroe, and I took the youth group. And, and one of my favorite songs that they sang, the name of the song is God is in Control. Right? Do you, uh, Melissa's nine. Do you remember that song? So see, Melissa's just as old as I am. She just has aged better. Thank you for the night. See, that's in, you're encouraging me, Melissa. Thank you. <laughs> so, but, the, but the song that they sang was God is in control. And, and, and the lyrics of that song, it talked about the wars that are going on and all these things, all these bad things are taking place in the world. And if we're not careful, we'll be so focused on it and so drawn into it that we'll forget that we're, we're children of, of, of God the creator, of God the sustainer, Right? of God who is sovereign. It's real easy to get caught up in that, right? To get caught up in the politics and get caught up in the, the wars and get caught up in the, the, the plagues and the diseases and, you know, the sickness. And today, with social media, <laughs> right, we spend a whole lot more time on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and, and a whole lot more time on the news apps trying to figure out what's going on when we ought to just be spending a little more time in here. And it might would settle our hearts a little bit, right? And settle our minds a little bit. Instead of just living in fear and living in doubt, man, we can live with courage. I'm going to tell you, we've been talking about Joshua, but man, I love this, this, this little sliver, this one chapter about Caleb. I can't get over the fact that when he's described... He's described as a man who was wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord. Wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord. Listen, Caleb, he walked in wholehearted devotion to the Lord, and the Lord never let him down. Do you know that? I mean, think about it. He was 40 years old, working for Moses, right? Serving Moses. Goes out in the land. Ten out of 12 of them come back and said, nope, can't be done. Can't do it. Fact, he says it right here. They came back and melted the people's hearts with what? Fear. Right? So instead of encouraging people, ten of them came back and they were discouragers. Right? Two of them came back as encouragers. Two of them. And guess what? They're the only two that walked across onto that promised land. They're the only two. The rest of them died on the other side of the Jordan River wholehearted devotion. The Lord never let Caleb down. Anybody here ever been let down before? 
<laughs> I'll take your laugh as an amen. Yeah, listen, I've probably let you down. I've probably let you down at some point. You know what? Some of you have probably let me down at some point. Right? We're not in here to throw stones at each other. It's, it's just the truth, right? Even the best people, your family, your friends, at some point, somehow, somewhere along the way, they're going to let you down. You find me one verse in all of the Bible where the Lord has ever let anybody down. Find it. It ain't there. Thank you, Mike. It ain't there. It ain't there. The Lord will never let you down. And Caleb is experiencing that. And I'm going to tell you something. What Caleb experienced, what Caleb exercised, a wholehearted devotion, and what Caleb experienced, walking with the Lord in power and in courage, that's not something that was just, was just given out 2,000 years ago. That's something that's available right here, right now, today. What, what we read about Caleb, that could very easily be happening in, in, in Monty's life. That could very easily be happening in Daryl's life. That could be happening in Dina's life. That can happen right here, right now. The question is, is it? Right? Can you be described as someone walking wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord? Can, can you be one that can stand up and say, the Lord has never let me down? Let me tell you, I've been here, I've been there, I've fallen, I got back up, I've fallen, I got, but the Lord never let me down. I, 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 hope, I hope that's a description for you, wholehearted devotion. I hope, that's a, I hope that's a praise for you, the Lord has never let me down. We, we, need to, we need to live that out loud. We need, to, we, need to, we need to praise God vocally and verbally. We need to tell people, right? We need to tell people our stories. Tell people. That's what's happening right here in Joshua 14. The, the story of Caleb is being told, right, uh, in the big scheme of things. The division of the land, the allotment of the land, the obedience that we're seeing right now of Israel, it starts right here with Caleb. What an awesome way to begin.